Hello and welcome to the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. My name is Dr. Avine Banish and I will be your host. This is the weekly podcast that helps women pause in their busy lives, drop into the heart, and remember their next right step. I am so happy that you're here. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Healer Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Avian Banish, and I'm excited today to have a conversation with Dr. Jessica Nichols. And Dr. Nichols is a family practitioner practicing in Nova Scotia in Canada. She has two young boys and a husband, and I found her through um, a forum I'm on or a group in Facebook, and I just found her posts to be um, honest and funny and she just seemed like someone who I wanted to have a conversation with. So, um, Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much. I feel like I should say hi to all your fans in Sweden, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were talking before we pressed, before we pressed record about um, our our creative and artistic endeavors and um, where they end up in some unlikely places. And so, um, Jessica wrote a book. Um, that I read and I laughed out loud multiple times. It is called the doctor is in slash curable. And um, in it, she kind of, uh, I found Jessica that your writing was very vulnerable and revealing. Like you were honest in a way that I think a lot of um, just a lot of physicians in general are not that were kind of guarded. Um, and your, your just ability to laugh at tough situations, you know, you were a family practitioner during, you know, we're just, I don't know if we're coming out of a pandemic, hopefully we are. Um, it might not feel like that all the time, but just your ability to, to laugh at life during tough times felt really wholehearted and open-hearted to me. So can you just tell us a little bit, well, first just tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how that book came to be. Sure. So, um, well, first of all, I'm just going to preface this by saying there was, it was not always laughing. There was lots of not laughing going on during COVID. Yep. It was it was pretty crazy. So I'm I'm a 46 year old family doctor in Canada, and I think family medicine in Canada is similar to family medicine in the United States. Um, we do sort of a, a little bit of everything. We have a little bit less access to specialists. So we also do a whole bunch of other stuff that we're untrained to do. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's good, good fun sometimes. Um, and I came about this the long way around. I was a paramedic beforehand and then ended up training in England and coming back to practice in Canada. Um, so that's what I do. And COVID was the biggest sort of uh, cause of burnout, I think, for, for me. I found that the more, um, the more that my patients were stuck with not having access to who they needed to see, the harder I was working for them. Um, I have the loveliest group of patients, like the loveliest. I'm in a fairly small area. A lot of my patients are sort of rural um, fisher people and work in their own businesses and they're really grateful and so happy for any kind of care. So I was spending so much time trying to pick up the sort of falling apart net of patients that I was holding over my head every day. And I was so burnt out that I decided to take a couple of months off 
But when you, I feel like when you work all the time, taking any time off, you have to have some kind of big excuse for why you're doing it. Yes. <laughs> Other than just to look after yourself. So you're like, hmm, what can I, what can I use as an excuse for this? Cause I, I left for two months and had zero income. And, um, that was pretty scary. My partner and I, like we're, we're not, we're not a wealthy family. We're okay. But family medicine, you take on a lot of debt and you don't necessarily make the income back quickly. Um, we have two kids and they like eat seven grocery stores a day. So we're always, you know, spending money, feeding them bananas and stuff like that. Um, so I, I was thinking, you know, I should do something while I'm off during this time. What I needed to do was nothing, but instead I thought, you know, I should really actually make something out of this. So, um, put together, um, some writing and thought, oh, well, I'll write a book in two months about family practice. And then that died in flames. Like I put together, I actually put together a book and then I read it and I was like, this is really, this is just awful. Like it needs 50 reiterations of it. So in the meantime, a couple of people in, in um, online physicians group who had been talking to me about my writing, I kind of, what I was doing during COVID, it was finding some release and some stress let down by writing within a physician's group. And so a lot of the people who I was writing to were saying, you need to put together a book, like just of your life, because the things that you manage in day-to-day life are pretty hilarious. And so what ended up happening was this is how the book was formed. Somebody who felt, I think, sorry for me and my endeavors, put all of my writings together and said, here, I've done it for you. You're never going to do this. So I've done it for you. Let's publish this and hopefully you'll get some more time off. And it's been great. Like that was that was a lovely thing to do because I don't think I had enough confidence in it to do it myself. So now it's done. And as I was telling you, it's a bestseller in Canada, which means five people at least have bought it, um, which is amazing. Yep. <laughs> There's five people in Canada who said, hey, I'll buy this for you. And I probably know all of them. Um, but but it's been exciting and fun. So it was it was good in and of itself. And actually, it's been a reflection on most of the last two years, which has been therapy in itself, too. Um, and just kind of how everybody gets by from day to day. You know, you said having humor. I think after you've been in this job for long enough, you have to choose whether or not you're just going to kind of roll with what happens and make the best of it sometimes and and see how that goes. Um, so that's how I try to do things with my patients, try to have humor. And sometimes it goes over really well and sometimes not so much. <laughs> and that's, you know, you just try to have, humor where, where you can in circumstances that are pretty dire sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, and I'm yeah. curious, so, you know, you, you referenced that you took a couple months off unpaid. So that kind of speaks to your level of burnout at the time, I'm guessing. And it's also interesting that you talk about how I think when we're busy multitasking women um, and, you know, you're balancing career and family inside of a pandemic, um, we do it. It's, it's like giving ourselves permission to just rest is like, we can't quite get there. Right. So I think it's really interesting. The point you bring up that you felt that you could, you could allow yourself to do this, but you needed a project. To- yeah. Yeah. I think it's telling, yeah, it is telling. And that, and then what happened was I took the time off and stopped running and stopped being in survival mode and like for the first three weeks, though I was home with my kids on summer break, trying to entertain them, I was like non-functional. Like, I'm sure they were like, what's happening with mom right now? 
like, why, why does she look like that all the time? But I was just like, oh. and, and it's because you're micromanaging people's problems and stories over and over again. And some days it was like our front staff would be, you know, sending me urgent messages and there's four of them. And I would get an urgent message from all four saying, can you fit this person in? Cause they're having a mental health crisis and they need to speak to you. And this was like, after already seeing 30 patients, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it was just so hard. It was so hard. Um, and at the end of it, I, re- I remember when I was a bit younger, after my first was born, I went to see a psychiatrist myself because I had very bad postpartum anxiety And I was telling her how anytime I was really stressed on medications, I would like detach from my own body. And so she was telling me, you can't detach from your own body if you're like physically doing something. So if you feel that way, you know, stand up and start like jumping around with your elbow on your knees and you're touching your shoulder at the same time. And I literally remember being in those craziest days standing there, like not knowing where to look because things were coming in from all angles. And I was like, I'm just going to run on the spot for a while, like seeing if this will all settle down. And that's when I was like, I, this, I need a break. This is crazy. Like this isn't, you know, serving anyone well anymore. So that's what I did. I planned for a break before a break happened to me. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That's why. Yeah. So in that well, it's it was forced because it just couldn't keep going, right? And so I kind of saw that coming on the horizon. And I, I think the problem is that many people don't have that option. So I'm I'm very, very grateful that I could choose that because so many of my patients just would never have that as an option. They just yeah. keep on having to run. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like you didn't, maybe you didn't write the book of your dreams in that two months, but how was that time? Like, were you better able or better equipped to return to work at the end of two months? Oh yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that comes with making a, a, a BS excuse as to why to take time off, like writing a book, as if, you know, this was something that was important was suddenly going to gain our family, all sorts of income or security was the fact that I was like, Oh, to write this book, I need to do this in the correct space. So I, there was a new spa that opened near us and quite far out in the country. And it was still pretty um, affordable to go spend a whole day. There was like spending a day going to see a movie. So I was like, Oh, the kids are in the house. I should go, I should go hang out at the spa for a bit because of my writing. Right. (laughs) It's like, uh, Okay. So I would go there and I'd be like, oh, I'm relaxing, but it's for the writing. <laughs> so, and then I, I would sit there and write. And that, I mean, some of the stories from the book came from that. I wrote, there was one day where I ended up sitting in this circle in the woods and I was piecing out thinking, oh my God, this is the best. I have like a, a pretend thing of alcohol in my hands, whatever fake near beer I was drinking. Uh-huh. Um, the sun is shining. There's like ducks floating by. I'm just staring at them. No one's touching me or talking to me. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was lying on this padded lounge chair. I'm like, these are so nice, like a padded chair in the woods. And then the whole place is a no talk zone. So someone started talking and I was kind of like, did they not get the memo? Like, this is no talking. This is a book writing place. You come to write books and escape your family. Who's talking? 
And then I realized it was a yoga instructor and I'm in like this circle of in the woods yoga (laughs) in this like bathing suit that I wore only because I knew that there was a robe at the spa to wear over the bathing suit. And suddenly I'm like one of 30 people in a circle on these padded yoga things. And I'd somehow missed the memo about this being the yoga area. So I couldn't like, I couldn't act natural and sneak out and leave. I was trying to figure out like if I could roll between the different platforms, but there were so many people and so many eyes and this woman speaking in the middle of it. So before I knew it, I'm in an hour yoga class that I didn't want to do in a baby bathing suit. That's totally not fit for purpose. It was like, there were things, it was, it was basically whoever had to be behind me saw the last time I shaved, which was probably, it was not good. And the person in front of me, I was like, could see what they had for lunch the last day through the bottom of their body. Like it was so too up close and everybody was wearing tiny bathing suits. And I, you know, I was trying to like position my robe over me, but you can't do that while you're doing yoga and the whole thing. Anyway, when you try to self-care, sometimes it it happens in different ways than you'd expect. (laughs) So the the spa, I learned where to sit at the spa when I went back to do the writing, <laughs> which was basically just lying there in the fetal position crying. I'd write a few things and then I'd be like, that's enough for today. And I'm going to lie in the corner and just cry for a while. It's great. It's so awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. It sounds, it sounds awesome. And it's, that's so funny that that idea of you just like resting in the woods and then getting roped into a yoga class um, is just, it's really it's funny and you can see how it happens, especially if nobody's talking until someone is. Um, so, so how do you think, like you strike me as someone who is very grounded. You're, you are open-hearted. You're, you have this ability and compassion to be with people, um, and do your best. And yet, right. Burnout happens like not just to physicians. I'm I'm pretty sure most of the world coming out of COVID was fairly burned out. Um, so do you have any lessons that you learned? Like, you know, during that time off now you're back in clinic, are you doing things differently? Are you, what did you take from that time? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is that if you're just in survival mode, you can't empathetically give to anybody anything. Mm -hmm. You just can't because survival mode is sort of not compatible, in my opinion, with being able to sit in space with somebody and give them that time that they need because you're constantly thinking about the next thing. So what time off let me do is a catch up a bit. So ironically, for my first four weeks of time off, I was charting and doing stuff like catching yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So it it was still, it was, it wasn't, it was still work, but it was a different type of work. So it wasn't compiling on more really awful stories. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of news hits where you're at from Canada, but we had a massive shooting in Nova Scotia and Nova Scotia as a province is a tiny place. It's literally one of those places where there's like two degrees of separation between every person who lives here. And if you're new, like I was from Ontario, everybody knows you because you're from away. Like people, you know, everybody knows everybody. And when the shooting happened and there were 22 people killed in this mass shooting, which for Canada is a very, um, 
I mean, there's lo- I'm from Toronto. There's lots of shootings, but this was this was a huge, devastating thing, and quite a few of my patients were directly involved in that. Oh my God. Um, so what I, I feel like there was so much stress upon stress upon stress, and the thing is, coming back to work after taking some time off, you really realize how much more of um, a presence you can be for people, and it also kind of gave me some insight to how crazy the last two years has been like it was actually finally some time to sit and think about what had happened around the world and with other people and with my patients and with family members and really sit and actually think about and reflect on that um and if you don't really have the time to reflect then that's i mean that's just another barrier to having any openness with people if if you can't reflect on what you've gone through with somebody, it's hard to come back and see them again and have anything new to give to them. So I think, I think now I'm building time off into my practice a bit more. Um, Cause I already work more than 120% of my contracts. So that's not a problem. It's more um, picking time to, to be a little bit better for myself and my kids and my family and for my patients mm-hmm. um, in that way. Yeah. I think that that point about digestion, you know, like that you can only take in experience and suffering and news for so long until you do go numb. If you don't, if you don't have a method to digest, to integrate, or to at least honor and reflect. Yeah. You go numb. You go, you just go totally numb. And then you find yourself standing in the middle of your clinic in the middle of the day, doing like the hand to knee jumping around thing, (laughs) trying to make your body feel something, which is crazy. When you think about it, I'm like, this, this wasn't in the brochure for family medicine. (laughs) This kind of craziness wasn't, I didn't sign up for this, but, but you end up signing up for whatever happens, right? There's just no control over it. So I think learning to just let go of things and the control is another thing that's happening. It's not much I can do about how the system works and just kind of be there and do what I can. Mm -hmm. And where do you think creativity for you plays a role in like being a bomb for burnout, being a way that, is it a way that you integrate? Is it a way that you kind of make sense of your, some of these crazy experiences? What does creativity serve for you? I think in the beginning, writing for me, um, especially in the physicians group that I was writing in, just became a way to have a collective thought and experience, maybe from a slightly different perspective. And a lot of what I write about wasn't funny in the moment or was very emotional in, in the moment and then could be reflected on later and I could come from a bit of a different perspective on it. Um, but I felt like so many of the posts that I was reading were helpful to me. So I wanted to be able to be helpful back in a way that maybe brought some comedy to people's lives. Um, A lot of the book isn't about, isn't about medicine. It's just about day-to-day life. And I I remember writing about the experience that I had trying to like wax my legs during the pandemic when suddenly I was like, I'm just going to try this. There was no reason we weren't going anywhere. I just thought, oh, it popped up on Facebook or something, this leg wax. And I was like, that looks like a great idea. You know, we're stuck at home and we live in an apartment. So 
that was another thing that was challenging during COVID. When we moved provinces, we were like, we'll be in an apartment for about a year to find out different areas where we want our kids to end up. And then we'll buy a house and then COVID hit. And I'm like, oh, we're going to be in an apartment for a long time. <laughs> so we were very insulated. Um, so we would entertain ourselves in different ways. And I was like, maybe I'll do some self-care by removing all my body hair. <laughs> Why? Why would I think that's a good idea? But I did. And I was like, oh, I could, I could totally do this. I had my legs waxed all at once. I watched the woman take wax out of the pot. And I can't, this is okay. And it wasn't. It was not okay. Don't do it ever at home, ever yourself. It was like there was, you know, things were sticking together. I like tried to get into the shower and then my leg was stuck to the wall. My husband had to come and like try to pry things off of me. There were clumps. We have cats. So I had hair all over. It was just, it was bad and it lasted for days. Like I couldn't get it off. <laughs> and it was just awful. My my husband, who's British, was like, look, sorry, I hope this is okay to say, but he uh, he said with his very British accent, he's like, you look like a testicle that's been rubbed around on a barbershop floor. I was like, oh my God, I do. Like I had like patches of hair everywhere, hair and then hair. It was horrible. Don't ever do it. <laughs> I mean, so we've all been there though with the, you know, with scrolling on either Facebook or Instagram where something comes up and you're like, that is a good idea. I need that. And I need it now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I must have that. And what was worse is that a very, a friend of mine who's been a lifelong friend was like, this is, that's a bad idea for you. <laughs> like, Why? It's going to be fine. She's like, it's not going to be okay. Please don't do that. And I was like, well, I'm going to show her that I know that I can. No, I couldn't. So, I mean, that was another lesson. Listen to the people who know you. They love you. They're looking out for you. They don't want you to like stick your labia to your own leg while you're trying to do your bikini line. They, they just don't want that for you. No, they don't. So, oh, yeah. that's so funny. That is. Um, yep. And, and we all did. I mean, the things now that we like the fact that you thought during that period where you're so stressed, overworked, living in an apartment in a new place, that that was where your mind went to, that that would be self-care is also equally hilarious. Well, I think it's just because you're in denial of reality. So all the other stuff that you could be doing, like laundry or parenting or trying to teach your children something when they're learning online and obviously not learning anything, you're like, what else can I do instead? Well, I know I'll dye my eyebrows. And then it's just like, why would I ever? And some of the, I mean, some of the outfits I'd order, I'm like, what, what? (laughs) They'd come and I'd be like, oh no, why? Yeah. I think you're just in denial, really. You're trying to find, find some, some other way to make your life a bit better. I hear you. I did that last well, I ordered a green, this really, um, it looked really cute. It was green off the shoulder and I must've ordered it like six months ago. And it finally showed up last week and I had it, I just took it out of the bag and you're like, oh, this is a bad idea. And I just hung it over our stairs and my 16 year old daughter got home and she was like, did you make that? Like, it looks like I had sewn it myself. <laughs> And you know, and you know, it's likely flammable, you know, you'll go up in flames if you wear it. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't try it on. I I just tucked it away under, you know, never again. So I, we've all been there and uh, probably more likely than, or more often than we would like to admit. 
Um, but I, that was one of the stories in your book that had me like crying, laughing. You're a very, very good writer. And so I know that, um, you know, that this book was kind of put together for you, but I really do hope that in the future you will write more because I really think you have a knack and a talent for it. Thank you. That's a kind thing to say. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not so good with the compliments. I'm <laughs> fading <laughs> backwards. Sorry. Um, yeah. And that, you know, creative projects take time. I mean, I, I guess not for everybody. I, you always hear of people that can whip out a book in a week, but um, that's not most people. And I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, using creativity as a way to remain whole, wholehearted or whatever you want to say, whether that's writing or whatever your chosen form of creativity. Cause I think that's one of the things usually I know in the pandemic, I love to write. And I was just, um, during the early days of the pandemic, I was just exactly what you were saying. I was just not doing anything right. Like creating seems to be one of those things that when we are just surviving, um, or that's our perception, then it kind of falls off the radar pretty quickly. Um, and so that too think, seems I to think, be an important I think because, message. Yeah. I, I mean, when you're just surviving, the last thing you can be is creative, really. Um, but you can, I think you can find still in those moments, find the humor, maybe not that day, but afterwards, after the burns have healed, <laughs> you can find <laughs> the humor after you've patched the wall. <laughs> the hair wall, um, then you can, you can find some humor in it. Right. Which is therapeutic in itself. Like looking back on trauma and finding and it, the thing is, as well, is that I'm sure ophthalmology leads very, leads you to very strange conversations with people and you get to know people in a certain way. Um, it, in family medicine, you can either sort of have um, a wall up about things, or you can just realize that people um, in general, myself fully included, are totally insane and get into all sorts of crazy things. And your body does really weird things. So the humor that I see in day-to-day life is a lot from practice, but it kind of just makes me reflect on my own life. Um, the book that I want to write is about my patients in practice, never in any way that anybody would be recognizable. And that's why I don't write under my name, not mm-hmm. because anything in this book would be, um, but the book is under DR Wright, which is my grandmother's um, last name. So it's kind of just a play on words of Dr. Wright. Um, but it has, it has meaning to me, but it's so not in my patients, if they ever saw it, wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, is she going to tell the story about when I did X, Y, and Z? It's like, no, I would never. But, you know, just to never have anybody feel that way. But there's hilarious things all the time, like every day that I feel like someone should know about this because it's so funny. Um, and yet it's someone's life and their experience. And, and you know, like me with my leg wax, I hope they find humor in it later. Right. Um, but humor is a great way to get through all of that stuff, for sure. Oh yeah. When we talk about sometimes for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's sort of why um, I I look to writing because 
At the end of the day, it's nice to have a commonality with people. And more so what I really enjoy with writing is writing something and have people say, oh my gosh, this is what happened to me. And hearing their hilarious stories, like bringing out the fact that we're all human and we probably will all get something wrong at some point in our lives. And isn't it hilarious that we survived this um, and share a common experience that way, even if it's ridiculous, awful stuff. So, I mean, I ordered, I don't know if you read the part, but I, I, during COVID, I'm sure you did as well, but had to order many multiple different orders of scrubs to wear um, Mm -hmm. as the pandemic went on and my emotional eating went on and I single-handedly ate half the company of Nutella. I was like, oh, these pants don't fit anymore. And I would go back to Amazon and the Amazon man would like know what I ordered before I even ordered it because I'm sure he lives in our bathroom. He'd be like, (laughs) here's your new order. And I'd order from the same company and one size up and the shirt would be smaller the pants would be like 70 sizes too big. And I'd walk into work and my work colleagues would be like, can you do better? Like, no, I can't. I tried. <laughs> I can't fit in the old stuff. This is all I have. <laughs> like they, the company lied. It said it was one size bigger. It was 10 sizes bigger. I don't know where to go next. I'm all out of ideas. Like oh. just crazy, crazy stuff. Anyway. Yeah. And, and I mean, some days that's what you just got to do your best. You got to show up with what you have and God bless um, Amazon and not just Amazon, but any, anything that was delivered to us during that time. The fact that you in Nova Scotia could get scrubs um, that were 10 sizes too big is a miracle in and of itself. (laughs) Um, What drew you to family medicine? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, well, so ironically, it was the work-life balance after doing shift work. So going from being a paramedic in Toronto, which is was a very busy experience, like there wasn't a night that you'd work a shift where you had any downtime. It was just go, 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 often back-to-back traumas. And so I was like, oh, you know, with family and children, we had a very surprising child in my residency that I wasn't expecting. My my husband wasn't even in the country yet. He was still moving from England. And so there were lots of questions of whose baby is it? I'm like, it's his, it's his. We did see each other. <laughs> so suddenly I was like, what, you know, what can I do that's going to be better work-life balance? And the joke's on me because there's no work-life balance, but at least I'm not working overnight, um, doing nights. So that's, sort of looking at, into it that way, there were there were lots of things that I thought about. I just thought after doing shift work that for the time that I did it, that I was done with, with doing that moving forward. Um, and I thought family medicine would be a good fit. I thought the, the range of things would be a good fit for sure. So that's how I ended up in that. Nice. I'm the daughter of a family practitioner. Um, like old school had his own practice. We used to go on house calls together um, when I was little. And so I have great um, respect and reverence actually for um, like the old school family, family practice doc, which it sounds like you really are. And you, you do more than, um, than any other doc in terms of your scope. And I'm sure sometimes you're asked to do things that you feel are beyond your scope. And you like that idea that you're just, you're going to do it and you're going to, do your best and your patients are very lucky to have you. It seems 
um, and your sense of humor. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for that that book that um, made me laugh really, really hard. I will put the link to it in the show notes so that um, people can find it. And I look forward to reading your, your book in the future as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time to have me. Thanks so much. Jessica. We'll see you later. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day and no waxing for you ever. <laughs> that's my, that's, you that's don't remember anything order. else. Don't try to wax your own bits. It's bad news. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thank you.